There's a number of things out there in this world, a number of things out there in our, in our culture, in our world, that are available to everybody. They're available to everybody, but not everyone takes advantage of them. So at the beginning of this service, uh, if you were here, I mentioned Find Mass Money, which you may have heard about in their website, findmassmoney.com. It's the Treasury Department of our Commonwealth of Massachusetts. And they're trying to give back people billions of dollars that they're owed. And they keep running commercials and they keep trying to push it because as much as they try to give people their money back, uh, people don't necessarily take advantage of the situation and what's there. And I know some of you right now want to pull out your phone and go to findmassmoney.com and check, but just please hold off till after the service. But there's other things out there. For instance, what if I told you that you could take classes from universities like Stanford, Harvard, and MIT, and you could take every, you could hear the lectures, and you could get all the class content, and you could read the textbooks, and you could do it all for free? That would sound great. And it's available to you. There's a website called classcentral.com where they have those classes. And you could, without going through the admission process or without paying the money, go online and take the same class that someone would take at Stanford or MIT or Harvard or a number of other universities. Now, it's available to all of us, but very few of us are ever going to go to classcentral.com and actually take advantage of the program that's there. So why? Why is it that even though it's a valuable thing and it's available to everybody, why is it that so few of us will take advantage of it? Well, I think there's two reasons, two basic reasons on anything, not just this example, but anything that's available to everybody, but only a few people take advantage of it. There's two reasons. I think one reason is for many of these things that are out there, we haven't heard about them. And even if we've heard about them, we don't really understand what it is. Uh, So... You, I now have told you about this website, and still you may not fully understand what it is or why you should take advantage of it. That's one reason I think people don't take advantage of these things. A second reason that they don't take advantage of them is because they hear about it and they understand it, uh, but they just reject it. They don't, it's not, we don't really want to do it. We don't have the time, we don't have the energy, we don't see the value in it. And so in all of these things that are available to all but only embraced by some, I think there's a reason for that. And the reason usually is because, one, we don't know about it or we don't really understand it, or we know about it, we understand it, and we just say, no, thank you. We've been spending the last few months walking through the the book of Romans. Uh, It's a book that's written by the Apostle Paul to the early church in Rome. And we're now at the end of chapter 10, and through all of these chapters, Paul has been talking to the church and talking to us about what we would call the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that is that we have a relationship with God that is broken, that's severed, because there's things in our hearts and things in our life that the Bible calls sin, things that we've done that are against the law of God. And that Jesus came to live and die and be raised from the dead so that that relationship between us and God might be restored, not only here on this earth, but also in eternity. And Paul says, if we would just believe that, if we would just believe that that is true and trust 
God with our lives, then we can be saved. In fact, Paul makes the point in the last verse we read last week, Paul makes the point that this valuable thing of salvation is available to everybody. In fact, this is what he says in Romans chapter 10, verse 13. This is what he says. We read this at the end of last week. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's what Paul says. This salvation is available to everybody. It's out there for everybody. And anyone who would call on the name of the Lord can be saved. I think that many people look at Christianity from the outside and say, well, that's a very intolerant, exclusive bunch of people because they only save salvation for a select few. And Paul would say that's not really true. Salvation is available to everybody. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be very saved. It's a very inclusive statement. It's out there for everybody. The reality that we know, though, is that very few people, especially maybe in this part of the country where we live, very few people actually do this. And so even though it's out there for everybody, not everyone takes advantage of it. And so this morning, in the next few minutes, this is what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the two reasons why it is that people don't take advantage of this. And more importantly, more importantly, we're going to talk about what it is that God would want us to do in order to help solve the fact that even though the gospel is available to all, only a very select, small few will accept it. So it's the two reasons why that's true, and then what God would call me and you to do about it. It bothers us that not all accept this message, doesn't it? If we're outside of Christianity, if we don't follow Jesus Christ, this is something that bothers us about Christianity. Because we look at it and we say, if God is such a God of love, then why wouldn't he save everybody? Why wouldn't he make this for everybody and just regardless of anything, make sure that all are saved? So it bothers us if we don't follow Jesus. And if we do follow Jesus, this uh, problem, it bothers us too because we want everyone to be saved. We want our family members and our relatives and our neighbors and our coworkers to know Christ the way that we know Christ. And it bothers us. It bothers us that this is true, that the gospel is available to all but only a small group will actually accept it. So why is it like that? Well, Paul gives us two reasons why this happens. And they're really not unlike the same reasons why uh, we don't go to uh, classcentral.com and take the online classes. Paul gives us two reasons, and they're very similar to what we've already talked about. The first reason he talks about in verse 13 through 15, which we'll read together. Verse 13, we just read, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Then Paul writes this, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So Paul starts talking about the first reason why, even though the gospel is available to all, very few accept it. And the first thing he says is exactly what we said before. He said the first thing that we have is we have a problem, the fact that some people have not heard and many people have not understood. That's problem number one. And the way Paul describes the problem is he uses six verbs. 
And these are the verbs that Paul uses. We're going to go through them real quick. Right there in verse 13, he uses the first word, the first verb, and that is saved. So Paul says, Here are the, here's the reason that we have a hearing problem. And it starts with the fact that not all are saved. And Paul says, well, why aren't all saved? Well, the reason that all aren't saved, Paul says, is because they haven't called. And Paul says, if they would call, if they would call on the Lord, they would be saved, but they haven't called. And why is the reason that they haven't called? Well, because they haven't believed. And so they aren't saved because they haven't called, and the reason they haven't called is because they don't believe. And well, why is it that they haven't believed? And Paul says, well, the reason they haven't believed is because they haven't heard. And now, there's two things that Paul means, I think, when he says that people haven't heard. It's not just about access. This isn't an access thing. It's not just about having the Bible available in Barnes & Noble. It's not just about having a TV station that preaches the gospel. There are multiple things that Paul means, I think, when he says that people have not heard or that people need to hear. There's two barriers that exist. One is a physical barrier and one is an intellectual barrier. Now, if you've been around uh, Mount Hope for any length of time, you know one of the things that we value is we value our partnerships with our global outreach partners. We value our partnership with our missionaries that go around the world. And one of the things that we emphasize when we decide, okay, so you on that little envelope, you put in some money and you give money to missions, and now the missions team at Mount Hope has to steward that money. One of the things that we value where most of those gifts go are to unreached people groups around the world. Well, what do we mean by unreached people groups? We mean those people in the world who still have no access to the gospel in their language and among their group of people. So they probably don't know a Christian. They probably never met a Christian. The Bible's not available in their language. There's very little information in their language or in their culture. That's one part of helping people hear. But there's another part that I think Paul means when he talks about people hearing. Because it's not just about having access. It's also about actually understanding what's being shared. And so it's not just about hearing things, it's about hearing and understanding. And this is where I think we find ourselves in our culture most often. Because what we have today is we have a culture filled with people who think they understand the gospel message even though they don't. In fact, I think this is vastly true about the college students that Gene and Lynn and Thomas and Cassidy are ministering to. They've grown up believing that they know who the Christians are, or the board they would probably use is who the evangelical voting block is, and what they believe, and they found all of that out from third-party sources that don't believe the message anyway. So you go online, and you go to media sites, and you watch the talking heads on television, and they'll explain to you who the Christians are, And so people feel like they have an understanding of the message, but what they don't realize is they can never have a complete understanding of the message without actually knowing the story from someone who believes it. 
And so there are multiple barriers here that Paul's talking about when it comes to hearing. It's not just about access. It's also about hearing the message and understanding it. And I think that's a lot of what's going on in our culture. People think they understand what the Bible says. People think they understand what Jesus stands for. People think they understand what salvation means. People think they understand what it means to be a Christian. But they've learned it all from third-party sources who don't believe it anyway. And they haven't gone to the actual source to find out what it really means. And Paul's saying they need to hear and understand this message. So they're not saved because they haven't called, and they haven't called because they haven't believed, and they haven't believed because they haven't heard. And the next verb that Paul uses is he says they haven't heard because no one has preached the message. Now the word that Paul uses here, this verb, stick with me, we're almost through this, this verb that Paul uses for preached could easily be translated heralded. In fact, that's more along the lines of what Paul's talking about. We don't translate it heralded because we don't use that word anymore, and we don't really know what it means. But the main difference between preached and heralded is this. When we think about preaching, we think about all coming into a room and listening to someone get up on the stage and go on and on and on and just hope that it will end soon, and then we all leave. And that's what we think of when we think of preaching, right? But what Paul is talking about is something different. Heralds are people, and if you think about this in in the old days, heralds would walk through the streets, very literally sometimes with a giant bell, and they would ring the bell and they would shout the news. That's what a herald did. And in fact, heralds existed in cities like Los Angeles until the early 1900s, until print media really took off, and then of course we have no need for a herald today to get the news. Heralds would walk through the streets, and they would shout the news. And so in Paul's day, this is how news spread. There were designated people that would go out into the streets, and they would take the message to the streets, and they would take whatever the important news was, and they would go out, and they would share it in the streets. It's the only way that people could find out what was going on. And Paul's saying the reason that people haven't heard is because no one's taken the message out to the streets. Not that people haven't gathered in a building and listened to someone on the stage talk, but that people have not taken that message out into the streets and shared it. People have not heralded the message, and so no one's heard. And the last verb that Paul uses in this section of verses is this. He says, no one's heard because people have not been sent. And so Paul brings up this whole first point, and he says, listen, The problem that we have here with people not accepting the gospel, even though it's for everyone, people haven't accepted it, is because people are not being saved. And in fact, the easiest way to understand, because Paul works backwards here, is to flip all these verbs around in the opposite order. And so if you flip them all around in a different direction, it's easier to understand what Paul is saying. Paul is saying people haven't heard because people haven't been sent to herald the gospel or preach the gospels to others so that people will hear, so that they will believe, so that they will call, and so that they will be saved. That's the issue that we have, Paul says. But there's a second problem Paul brings up in this passage, and he does it in the next verses. So problem number one is people haven't heard, and they're not being saved because they haven't heard and they don't understand, but here is the second issue, and it starts in verse 16. Paul says, some haven't heard and understand, and then he says, some have heard and understand. In verse 16 he says, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? 
So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. But I ask, have they not heard? Indeed they have. They have access. For their voice has gone out into all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. But I ask, did not Israel understand? First Moses says, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. With a foolish nation, I will make you angry. Then Isaiah is so bold as to say, I have been found by those who did not seek me. I have shown myself to those who did not ask for me. But of Israel, he says, all day long, I have held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. Paul says there's two problems. The first problem is some have not heard and don't understand. Problem number one, why the gospel isn't accepted by all. And problem number two, he says, is some people have heard and they have understood and they've said no thank you. In fact, Paul gives us the picture of God with the Israelites, his people from the Old Testament, his people still today. God gives us that picture and he says, they, the, my people, the Israelites, they heard my word. They understood my word. I held my hands out to them, longing to embrace them. And many of them said, no, thank you, and went their own way. And certainly some of us know people who are in this position right now who we know have heard the word of God, who we know uh, have understood the word of God, but who have turned back to God and said, God, no, thank you. I hear it, I understand it, and I reject it. We know people who are in that place. In fact, maybe that's you in this room this morning. You're in that place. You've heard it, you understand it, and you've said to God, no thank you. It's being in that place where maybe you've had an argument with somebody and this usually happens over things we're really passionate about. You have an argument with somebody uh, who holds a different position than you on an issue, and you think to yourself, well, the only reason they hold that position is because they haven't heard a good argument yet, and they don't really understand the argument. So someone has the audacity to disagree with you, let's say politically, or someone says something really foolish like Peyton Manning's better than Tom Brady or something along those lines, right? And so you get into an argument with them, and you think to yourself, if they just heard the truth, truth and they understood reality, then they would come over to my side. And so you get in a debate with them and eventually it becomes clear. They hear what you're saying and they understand what you're saying. Okay. They hear four wins in the Super Bowl, six appearances, nine AFC championship games. Like they hear it all, but they still don't want to admit what is true. And that happens when we get in passionate discussions. It could be sports, it could be politics, it could be family issues. We feel like if someone just heard and understood, but we come to the point where we're like, oh, they hear me and they understand me, they just disagree. And Paul's saying that's how some people treat the gospel. They hear it, they understand it, but to accept it would mean life change, to accept it would mean giving up control, to accept it would mean, would mean maybe giving up relationships, and so they, they reject it and they say, no, thank you. Now, here's the other question that we have to think about this morning. Those are the two reasons why people aren't accepting the gospel. Some haven't heard and understood, and others have understood and heard, and they've rejected it. But what in the world are we supposed to do about it? Well, I think very specifically, there's a few things that Paul would tell us we're supposed to do out of these verses. And we're going to work backwards. 
So the second reason why people don't accept the gospel is because they've heard it and they've understood it and they've rejected it. What in the world are we supposed to do about that? Well, if you're in this place this morning, I hope that you've heard the gospel before and maybe you've even understood it before. And maybe you're at the place where you, in your life where you've never accepted it before. All of us are going to be held accountable if we have heard the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, the the truth that God sent his son to live on this earth and die on our behalf to pay the price we couldn't pay, that he was raised again to prove his power and authority over death, and that if we trust in him, we'll spend an eternity with God. That that simple message, we have to choose whether or not we're going to believe it. All of us are going to be held accountable for how we deal with that truth once we've heard it and understood it. And so if you're in that position this morning, then I would implore you to believe it and accept it. It's something only you can control. No one can do it for you. And maybe you know someone in your life who's in that position, and this morning I would tell you that it's only by the power of the Holy Spirit and through God that that's ever going to change. And so I would encourage you this morning, if there's someone close to you who you know who has heard and who has understood and who has walked away or never even walked into it to begin with, that you would begin to pray for them consistently and trust that God would step in It would change their heart. But what about the first one? That's what we can do about the fact that some have understood and heard and rejected. We can come to the point in our lives where we're ready to accept and trust and say, I'm sick of my own plan. I realize my own plan's not working and put our trust in Jesus Christ. We can pray for those who are in that position. But what do we do about the first one? The fact that people have not heard and people have not understood. Well, what Paul would tell us is that he would say there's an easy solution for that. And the solution is everybody sitting in the room. The solution is everybody who's sitting in this room right now who says that they follow Jesus Christ. That's the solution that Paul was talking about. And you're saying to yourself perhaps right now, I was really hoping you wouldn't say that. I was really hoping what you would say is that the solution is, is I just have to invite a friend and get them in this room, and if I can just get them in this room, I've done my part. But I don't think Paul leaves us open to that. Paul says to us, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, then you are the solution. That you're the one who needs to be sent. That you're the one that needs to herald the message. That if you believe, you're the one that needs to share, and you're the one that needs to tell. And I think that many of us, when we hear that, and we've maybe heard that preached before, if you've been in church world for longer than, you know, 30 seconds, you've heard that preached before, that if you believe it, you should go and share it. But there's two reasons we don't. The reasons we don't is, one, we really don't want to. I mean, it's culturally unacceptable. I'm aware of this. It will cost us clout among people. It may even cost us relationships to do so. In fact, the Pew Research Center just a couple of years ago released a study um, on, current, on evangelicals in America. And they asked them this question. They said, what do you do when someone, you encounter someone of another faith? And then they gave them a couple of responses that they could choose. 70% of evangelicals responded, people that would say they follow Christ, responded and said... I try to hear their position and then agree to disagree. That's what 70% of followers of Jesus said. 18% of, of people who say they follow Jesus said, I avoid the subject altogether. 
And 10% of people responded and said, I talked to them and tried to persuade them to believe in Jesus Christ. So based on that study, which I think is probably pretty accurate, only one in 10 of us is willing to go out and try to talk to someone and actually persuade them that the gospel of Jesus Christ is actually true. And I know that we don't want to do this. It doesn't get put us in a good light, we feel. It's risky. And so we don't want to do it. And the other reason I think we don't do it is we feel like we don't know how. We've never taken the class, we feel like. We haven't maybe read the entire Bible cover to cover, and we definitely haven't read all the footnotes. We don't know everything that's, that's in there. We don't know how to answer all of the big questions. And so because we don't want to, and we feel like we don't know how, we just don't do it. But listen, even though you, we may not feel like we want to, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, we have to. We have to. I probably don't have to bring much evidence to you to say that our culture is walking away from God. That our culture is walking away from Christ. The only thing that I know that will change the culture, that will bring people back to God, is not to legislate righteousness. That's not going to bring people back to God. That's not going to bring people into a deep, meaningful relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm happy when the laws of the land reflect the laws of God, but we can't just legislate this thing. We can't just preach from pulpits and on Christian television stations to the masses. We have to have individuals who follow Jesus Christ going to other individuals who do not follow Jesus Christ. Christ and sharing with them the truth of God's love and the truth of God's salvation and the message that God has for people that that God loves them and God cares for them and God has prepared a way for them to have a relationship with him. We earn the right to speak into people's lives that we know. We earn that right. And God has put you in a unique mix of relationships. No one else in the world has your mix of relationships. No one else has your family plus your coworkers, plus your neighbors, plus your social media acquaintances. No one else has that mix of people in their lives. Only you have that mix. And so God has put you in a strategic place as a follower of Jesus Christ to impact those lives for him. Chances are a pastor, myself, a missionary, is never going to have the opportunity to go to your next-door neighbor and share the gospel. But you have that opportunity. God's put you right there. And as you build that relationship over time, you earn the right as doors open to share God's love with those people. And God's put you in that place. He hasn't put anyone else in that place for a reason. On April 14th, 1912, something big happened. Does anyone know what happened April 14th, 1912? Nancy, the Titanic. That's right. Excellent. The Titanic sank on April 14th, 1912. 711 people were rescued off the Titanic. But here's the thing, and maybe you've heard this before. The lifeboats capacity was 1,178. Over 1,500 people died when the Titanic sunk, the ship that God couldn't sink, right? Over, over 1,500 people died. 711 were rescued, but the lifeboat capacity was 1,178. And what happened is two things. 
One is people who were on the ship kept believing that they were safe, and so there was no reason to leave. This was the ship that couldn't sink, and even though it was taking on water, surely there was a valve that could be closed somewhere that would stop the flooding and everything that would be okay. So some people just stood on deck and said, if you want to get in the lifeboat in those icy waters, go right ahead. It took you know, 10 hours to sink, so it wasn't like in, a, in an instant. And they said, we'll stay here on the big boat where it's safe. And so some people just wanted to stay. Other people were so panicked, they didn't care that the lifeboat wasn't full. They were getting out of there. And so the lifeboats left this sinking vessel only half full, and the people in the lifeboats, with plenty of room around them, watched at a distance as this horrific event took place. And when God puts us in a position where we have the opportunity to share the gospel and we don't. It's like paddling away from the Titanic in a lifeboat that's half full. We have the message. We have the message that can save their life for eternity. Now, we may invite them in the lifeboat, and they may say we're staying here on the big boat, and there's really nothing we can do. But we at least better offer them the opportunity to come and join us. And so we may not want to, but we have to. And you may think you you don't know how, but let me tell you something. It's easier than you think. I think we overcomplicate this thing like crazy. We hear Paul's uh, six verbs that he uses about preaching and sending and going and calling and believing, and it seems very complicated to us, and we treat it, it looks in our brain kind of like a Rube Goldberg cartoon. Do you know who Rube Goldberg is? Rube Goldberg was an car- American cartoonist that used to come up with inventions in his cartoons that were way too complicated. So this invention right here, this uh, moves a napkin to wipe your face, and the way it works is you pick up your spoon to eat, it trips a lever which flips up a cracker to the bird, the bird moves, spilling seed into the bucket, the bucket comes down, lighting a lighter, which lights a rocket, which pulls uh, the, the scythe up, which cuts the string, which moves the napkin back and forth that's on the clock pendulum, and then it wipes your face. And when we hear Paul, we think about sharing the gospel, this is the kind of picture that we get. Like, I don't know how to work this whole thing. This is way too complicated for me. But here's the reality. It's really very simple. All you need to do is two things. If you follow Jesus, you have a story about something that God has done for you. And you may not understand it all. And you may not have the answer to all the big questions in this world. But our stories are powerful. Let me tell you what God did for me. Let me tell you where I was and where I am today. And I don't know all the answers, and I don't, I don't have all, all the answers to all the questions, but here's what God did in my life. If you're willing to share your story, it's a powerful thing. And trust that God will fill in all the other details. And the other thing that all of us can do is we can invite people to let them be in part of our lives and watch us live our lives with Christ. We can share our stories with anyone, and we can invite people into our lives and allow them the opportunity to watch us live as a follower of Christ. And those two things are simple, and those two things are powerful. And I know that when most of us share our testimonies, like those nine people who shared their testimonies when they were baptized a couple of weeks ago, it's not because some professor was able to come in and give them the right answer to the question that they were asking. At the end of the day, it's about the experience that they had with Jesus Christ and watching other people live their lives with Jesus and have and hearing their stories of what God had done in their lives, and then moving to trust God with their own lives. 
And what Paul would say to us today is, how do we fix this problem? How do we deal with this issue? That the gospel is available to all, but only a few are accepting it. Paul would say, listen, here's what you can do. If you've heard and understood, then you need to believe. And if you've believed, then you need to tell. If you've heard and understood, you need to believe. And if you've believed, then you need to tell. We can't hold on to it for ourselves. I'm going to invite our worship team to come back up as we end this morning. And this is what I'd like us to do. Our ushers, or Bill here, has a, has a pile of index cards. And he's going to hand them down the rows. And as Bill hands out, Bill and Karen hand out those index cards, I want to share with you a story of how this works. You may say to me, what difference does it make? What difference does it make if I go and just share with my neighbor? What difference does it make if I just go and tell my coworker? It's really not that big of a difference, but you never know what God is going to do. Uh, Richard Stearns, who's the founder of World Vision, he tells this story. In the 1880s, there was a young man who grew up as a missionary kid in India, and he came back to the United States. His name was Robert Wilder. And Robert Wilder, he wanted to go be a missionary, but he was so physically frail that he wasn't able to go. And so he started holding small gatherings of people. And in one of those small gatherings of people was a man by the name of Samuel Moffat, a young man by the name of Samuel Moffat. And when Samuel Moffat became a Christian and heard Robert Wilder's, you know, passion for reaching people around the world, Samuel Moffat decided to go as a missionary, and two years later, he found himself in Korea. Samuel Moffat was in Korea, and he met a man named Kiel Sun Chu, who was kind of tired of his life in the Taoist religion. And so Samuel shared the gospel with Kiel, and Kiel became a Christian. And Kiel Sun Chu became one of the leaders of what was called the Pyongyang Revival in 1907. And that revival is what people look to as the start of the indigenous church in Korea. When Kiel Sun Chu passed away, over 5,000 people attended his funeral. The church in Korea right now has over 15 million followers of Jesus Christ and sends more missionaries around the globe than almost any other country. I think it's true that that South Korea sends more missionaries than any country other than the United States. I believe that's true. All because Robert Wilder was able to share with Samuel Moffat back in the 1880s. You never know what God's going to do. Jesus started with 12 guys. He only focused on three, and only 11 of those guys really worked out. And today, 2 billion people follow Jesus Christ. All we have to do is tell the people that God's put in our lives. And if we've heard and understood, we believe, and if we believe, then we tell. And this is what I'd ask you to do as we close today is to on that card just put the first name of one person in your life if you're a follower of Jesus. The first name of one person who you're going to ask God to open up the door for you to tell, for you to show God's love to, for you to share with in some simple way. 
And as God brings that name to you, I'd invite you as we close this morning to spend a little bit of time praying over that name. And then to come and to leave that name on the altar. And to say to God this morning, God, as you open up the door, I'm giving this person to you. And as you open up the door, I will love and I will share what you've done for me. God, as we close this morning, I thank you. For those of us who have followed you and those of us who have believed for the work that you've done in our hearts and the work that you've done in our life. God, you have saved us and you have called us your own. And where we once were headed towards an eternity apart from you, now we are headed towards an eternity with you because of your graciousness and your goodness through Jesus Christ. And God, I pray that you will help give us a burden for those who do not yet know. And God, that you will use us in this part of our country and a part of the world where not many are taking advantage of the value of the gospel. God, that you would use us even though we don't have all the answers, but you would use us empowered by your spirit to go and to share what we know. We give these people to you this morning. Pray that you will open up the door, that they will hear and they will understand, and that they will turn to you. We pray it in Jesus' name.